says, get that India, big boy. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode sorry, of The Tip Sheet. I'm your host, 4020, also known as John. Um, my offsider here, again, as always, is 60s. It's magic round, mate. The Eels have won their fifth in a row, uh, improving to a 9-1 and record on the 2021 season. How are you doing today? Oh, mate, I spent a chunk of that match sitting on the edge of my seat, especially the second half. But it's another Eels win. It's a great win, and what a great debut from Jake Arthur. Indeed, man. We're going to touch on Jake plenty in this review episode of the tip sheet, but let's get into the game itself. Parramatta Eels 34, defeating the New Zealand Warriors 18. For the Warriors, Josh Curran, Ben Murdoch, Masilla, and Reese Walsh scoring. Cody Nicarima going three from three from the tee. For the Eels, it was a uh, mixed bag of uh, some good names on that list. Nathan Brown opened the scoring with a, a lovely little play from uh, Mitchell Moses, followed by Mike Acevo, a double to Reagan Campbell-Gillard, uh, Ryan Madison, and to close the game out, young Jakey Arthur getting on the try scorers list in his debut game. Love to see that. Mitchell Moses uh, added four from five from his attempts, with Quentin Gufferson adding a further one from one. Uh, Mitch taking that uh, last kickoff after he got stomped on his foot somewhere. I missed it, but he uh, was limping for a bit, but evidently he's okay. Uh, let's talk the team stats quickly. Parramatta Eels dominated possession, uh, thanks in large due to their first half walloping of the Warriors. 59% to 41. Warriors enjoying a fair bit of possession in the second half, though. Uh, time of possession favoring the Eels naturally, 26-45 to New Zealand's 18-36. Eels completing at a very solid 85%, which is surprising because a lot of the commentary on this game was talking about how the Eels weren't completing their sets, but 39 to 46 says otherwise. Meanwhile, the Warriors just 25 to 41 for a 61% effective completion rate. Uh, Eels ahead in uh, runs, run meters, and post-contact meters. Warriors edging them on line breaks, 7-5, and tackle busts, 37-31. Uh, Eels with the slower play to ball speed again, so that streak continues. Uh, Warriors more offloads. Uh, Eels with better kicking stats. Uh, Warriors with a much better defensive showing, and I have to say that uh, that did show up on the eye test. They're 90.7% effective tackle rate, much better than the Eels, 82.2%. I reckon the Eels be kicking themselves when they review this match in terms of some of their defensive lapses. And then in terms of negative plays, this one's probably a bit frustrating. Uh, it penalties conceded was 6-2 uh, against New Zealand in Parramatta's favour. Uh, but in terms of the ruck infringements, the Eels gave away 6 to the Warriors 5. And at times in that game, it probably was a, a little bit dubious in terms of the Eels not getting awarded some and then the Eels getting uh, penalised for some. But we'll talk on that later. Where do you want to start with this one, mate? Um, you want to go with Jakey's debut? You want to say that one for later? You want to talk no, about I think the we'll, Red Hot I think, we, I think we probably lead off with that one because it was, in the end, the exclamation point on the match, wasn't it? Well, he started the match as he finished it, uh, which is kind of entertaining to me because his first touch uh, in terms of uh, not just clearing the ball was a very decisive right foot step and run into the line in the first half. And uh, it was on in the sec- at the end of the game, the second half, taking on the line, planting that right foot, cutting through, and then scampering after breaking that tackle to get the ball over. So uh, started the game strongly, finished it strongly, and did plenty of clean work in between. It's not going to go down as a historically great debut by any means, but coming into this team, he had a very defined role, and he just nailed it, didn't he, mate? Yeah, he would have probably followed his father's instructions to the T 
and uh, it's probably fair to say as well, it was typical of him with the unselfish play earlier yeah. when he easily could have dummy dummy tomato and scored because the defense had uh, slid off massively. But uh, taking the selfless option, doing the right thing in terms of playing the percentages there. Uh, so just looking at his stats, a lot of runs for Jakey. 12 runs, 75 metres, uh, one line break and one try assist with two tackle busts to go along with that. So very solid running numbers there for a young man that's growing into his body. Uh, in terms of tackling, he made, for, he made 19 tackles but did miss five with three ineffective. So the Warriors threw plenty at him. Um, he missed a few. But uh, there was also a number of uh, good tackles I can think of, especially one where... Uh, ended up not counting because they ruled. Uh, how they ruled? They it was the one where in the first half the Warriors attacked our line and come back and he made the try saver, but they ruled was it a, a knock on at some point? Maybe I'm not sure, but yeah, he he got heavily involved defensively, so uh, he'll be very happy with that. And I tell you what, how good was it seeing Brad getting fired up after he scored that try? Uh, Ba's Ba's rarely a man of such uh, passionate scenes in the coaching box. He will you know cuss out like most coaches, but. He was really pumped up to see his young one score there. Yeah, and also coming down to the sideline for the last few minutes of the yeah, game. Yeah, sat down with Cardi to talk about the game and then get uh, get to his son after the post-match. And then Bud's out there as well, seeing um, Jake's younger brother there in attendance as the ball boy. So a huge day for the Alpha Clan, no doubt. And um, Parramatta Eels obviously getting that win, which means they stay outright second, chasing the Penrith Panthers, who are to play today. So... Uh, we'll have to wait and see how that result plays out, but odds are the Titans probably won't knock them over. No, and uh, also just on, on another matter there, it was good to see the uh, cameras capture the Arthur family up in the stands and then after the game as well, seeing uh, Jake with his mates who travelled and we did see some familiar faces in the stand there, Sean Russell, um, Samuel Loizu and Will Penasini. The Rouse Hill crew. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, who who made the trip up there from Western Sydney uh, after playing yesterday. Correct, knocking over the Raiders. Park. So uh, they've, they've really, when you're talking about hightailing it up there, when you think they would have finished <laughs> the their... Opposite uh, of the red eye, right? You, you get your game oh. <laughs> get your game on and just hightail out there uh, during the middle of the day whenever you can. So, yeah, great to see Jake having that uh, huge supporting net there between friends and family and, and players that are also very close friends. And I tell you what, I really like the game plan that the Eels did for Jake. They didn't try and protect him and, and keep him minimised uh, in terms of his involvements and just say, all right, you're here to you know plug a really small gap and we're going to put you in there to make up numbers. Instead, they involved him heavily. He was there organising the team. He was there kicking. He was there distributing down the right edge of Ryan Madison. Had some nice uh, little combinations between the two of them there. And it paid off at the end of the game when, you know, taking on the line, they, they sort of had seen so much of him mixing up the, both the run and the pass that he was able to go through some fatigued defenders and seal the game. Well, as you and I know, the development in Jake's game this year has come about in his running game and his uh, ability to take on the defence. And we saw that today where he just judged which one, which time to run perfectly with that match-winning try. So uh, congratulations to him. Uh, great debut and augurs well for his future within uh, not not just rugby league, but specifically with the Parramatta Reels. Exactly. And uh, like we, we mentioned before in the preview for this one, that free game stint is almost perfect for Jake because I'm not sure if he'll be able to take on a full season of NRL, but this little slice is going to set him up so well for his development. Yeah, it's going to give him confidence. It's going to give uh, BA confidence that 
he's there that he can call on as he needs him. So as you say, it's 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 probably a great stint for him, and it's probably also a, a nice little break for Dylan Brown, uh, given that there'd been that little bit of uncertainty about how his attacking game was going, and I think just taken a bit of pressure off him for the time being. Yeah, a chance to clear his head of anything in that regard and just reset and come back into the team, refresh. So um, Jake holding down the fort magnificently. Let's talk about the team here because it was a mixed bag. Despite the 34-18 to 18 victory, the Eels raced out to a rapid 24-point lead in the first half and it looked like it was going to be against the clock in terms of how much the Eels were going to be putting on. And instead, the Warriors fought their way back in and we mentioned in the pre in the in the run into this that some of it was the officiating, some of it was the Eels defensively uh, lacking at times. What do you make of it on the balance of things, 60s? Oh, you know, talking through the week, I said to you, it it was a game that I wasn't entirely comfortable with as, as it approached. It wasn't so much that I wasn't confident about a win, but I just wasn't sure about how the match was going to play out for a number of factors. Obviously, there was the NRL's crackdown, and thankfully we didn't see any sin bins that occurred during the game. So uh, let's give a shout-out to well, the Well, to both that... teams, yeah. Well done on... Is is that the first game, this, uh, this Magic Round, without a sin bin? I believe that it is. So, um, and look, maybe that's an area where we also have to give a little bit of a tip of the hat to Ashley Klein. I know we've got some criticisms coming up. Well, the, the, worry, were... the Warriors can't be in the bin for a cynical six again if he never gives a six again, <laughs> which it felt like <laughs> at times. But, yeah, um, in, but in terms of the contact, I feel like both teams played a very clean game. Uh, there was very little in the way of uh, careless high shots um, from either team. So well done to both the Warriors and the Eels in that regard. Uh, yeah, and uh, so... As I said, I was a little bit uncomfortable coming in as to how this game was going to play out. Uh, I I think there was a little bit of superstition. I think also on reflection, I personally was nervous for Jake Arthur. Now, notice I'm saying I was nervous for him. I wasn't nervous about him. So I was feeling the nerves on on his behalf, given that we've followed his uh, pathway through the uh, eel system so closely and we weren't expecting a debut quite so soon so I, yeah I, I have to admit I was feeling the nerves on his behalf so maybe all of that combined to how I was feeling about the game when they, when the Eels re- took off that uh, made that brilliant start to get out to a 24 points to nil lead I must say I wasn't expecting it I just wasn't expecting that absolute boom crash at the start of the contest. Then as the rest of the game unfolded, it was probably a, a little bit more of what I was expecting where um, I was unsure about how it was going to be officiated with some of the calls where the Warriors were going to start throwing the ball around. And, and credit to the um, Warriors, they didn't roll over when the Eels rolled them initially. Uh, they, you know, dug in and fought their way back into the contest. The injection of Reese Walsh, like we spoke about in the podcast, added a bit of X factor to their attack. And yeah, on, on the back of Klein giving them a bit of a foothold in terms of the ruck, um, they fought their way back into the game. And the Eels, 
uh, they you know they didn't collapse by any means, but they also it was it was weird because I felt Mitchell Moses played a good game, but also the Eels didn't quite execute some of their game throttling techniques that they've been so good at in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I was I've been struggling to come up with an overall way of categorizing that uh the performance in terms of the the period at, in the back of the first half and the the uh in that middle period of the second half to describe how we were playing it wasn't a lack of composure it, and it wasn't a uh complete um breakdown of the attack or the defense but it just felt like we weren't quite as focused. And yeah. I'm not sure if that necessarily makes sense, but it was, there There were just too many um, incomplete tackles where we just weren't quite nailing it, whether it was that the first contact wasn't strong enough. But when you start to get the number of offloads that the Warriors were getting, and when you start to see the holes that were appearing in the Eels' defence, there's something that wasn't quite right. And I was a little bit on edge watching that. But to the Eels' credit, there wasn't any... I suppose that's where the composure did come in. Because, as I said, there wasn't a lack of composure. It's just that it wasn't an ideal performance. It wasn't a performance where... I don't, I don't think BA is going to go yeah. away from it and think, oh, well, that was a great result. I think he's going to go away and I think he's going to be happy with the result. And I think he's also going to go away with plenty of coaching points to take from it. And it is worth mentioning that the Warriors' comeback could have been stymied at a couple of points with both Ryan Madison and Blake Ferguson missing, uh, not regulation, but fairly normal put-down attempts to ice the game earlier. I know that uh, both of them were pretty upset that they didn't, uh, well, for Maddo's case, didn't get his double and Blake not getting on the board uh, at all. So um, both well, I, right edge. Yeah, and, I... I was going to say that that I mean the Matto one almost re- was reminiscent of Fergo's the previous week. Yeah, where it was like a fractionally short away yeah, fractionally short. from the try line. Yeah, but you'd have to say that Fergo missed his opportunity that to straight one on one with a, a defender racing across and cover defense, and he just. <laughs> I mean, if it goes up as a try, it probably stays as a try. There's that that point of contention there, but. The fact that it had to be at that point where it was so uncertain, uh, you know, for a guy that's as clean a finisher usually as Ferguson, he'll be very upset and be kicking himself for sure. Yeah, and the other thing too was, and we know that the uh, bunker does get to see every every particular angle with it, but we certainly didn't see any freeze frame of the moment when the uh, ball, uh, when he slammed that ball down. You'd I have no problem, don't get me wrong, I have no problem with that try being disallowed. But so often when we're looking at these sorts of decisions, as the viewing audience, we certainly get to see a freeze frame as the hands coming down with the ball just to see whether there is still any the, the there is still a grip on the ball as it hits the ground. But that being said, the control was minimal, so I don't have a problem with it being disallowed. In terms of positive performances, uh, we'll go down by the numbers, 1-17. to 17. Uh, Gufferson was solid. A uh, bit of an early concern about a rolled ankle, but he persevered through it. Uh, I thought Mike Acevo had a pretty good game. Scored a nice try. Uh, had a really nice touch later on in the game with a, no space to work in, getting a chip kick ahead the force line dropout. 
Uh, Wonga Blake coming back didn't wasn't asked to do too much. There were some defensive miscues between him and Blake Ferguson, but it wasn't as egregious as it had been at points in 2020. And uh, so I think the jury's still out in those two in a positive way, I'm going to say loosely. Um, obviously, Jakey had a good game. Mitch had a good game. Front row was very strong um, with Reg getting that double. Uh, Reed was uh, solid, uh, very good in that opening stanza and then uh, didn't quite have as much control over the game later on. Uh, I thought both the, all the back rollers, in fact, had pretty good games. It was one of those ones, you look at, look at the team, a lot of good performances, not probably any great performances. Oggy on the bench had a couple of good runs and also one loose carry he'll be ruining. Sean Lane continues to look really strong through the middle. Uh, and then Stoney barely got in the field and Bryce Cartwright was okay. So, yeah, you look at that list of players and I don't think anyone truly stood out as an exceptional performer on the field. And that's probably indicative of not just the, the scoreboard result, but the way that game flowed, like we are speaking about earlier, 60s. So who would be your go-to for the best on field for the Eels? And, well, actually, let's just go your 3-2-1. Who would be your 3-2-1? In a game where it's kind of hard to split people, I'll probably give the three points to Reg. 165 metres off 18 carries, getting two meat pies as well. Um, you can't ignore the, the big man getting his first career double. The two... Hmm... The two, maybe Isaiah Papali. I thought he was very strong again in the back row. And the one I'll give to Jackie Arthur for a, a try on debut on top of a very solid all-round effort. Well, I'm going to go a little bit differently because I am going to pick Mitch Moses as my best on field. That's fair. Because I thought, yeah. I thought that his, his first half was uh, really dominant in the control that he had of the game. And again, I thought as we got towards the the tougher part of the, the game, the championship minutes, the uh, set restart, that, uh, the uh, that, line drop. That little change-up play he, he caught on the fly was magnificent, yeah. Looking yeah. to shape to his right. Saw that, uh, I believe, would have been Walsh at fullback at that point. Uh, had overcommitted, perhaps. Rolled it in for himself and got the line drop out after getting a lot of um, impediment on his run through as well. Yeah, I, I thought that was a key play. So uh, I give him my three. For the two, I'm probably going with Reg, as you are. And uh, for the one, probably Papali'i with a, an honourable mention to Jake Arthur. He would have come very, very close to getting the one for mine. So, um, yeah, it was, as you said, it, it probably was a case where there wasn't one player who stood out as having the exceptional game, but I'm I'm giving it to Mitch Moses uh, edging ahead in that, uh, especially for the the work that he did at the, at the early part of the game and then also closing out. So, uh, yeah, that's where that's that's where I'm going. And uh, it's a. Uh... It's a, it's a game that's almost difficult to discuss because the Eels were so red hot in that opening stanza and then had that, uh, like you like we said, not, not listless, but not as uh, ruthless as they could have been. But I suppose in the context of Magic Round, it was a pretty solid game all around from both teams. There's been a lot of blowouts and a, a lot of ill-discipline or, or pseudo-ill-discipline that's been cracked down on hard. But the, the Warriors and Eels put on a good show. And like we said in the preview, the Warriors were going to push the Eels and even though the scoreline probably earned closer to what my prediction was compared to yours, 
uh, it felt like it was a lot closer than that until Jakey scored. Yeah, and as I said, it was a game that I felt uncomfortable about beforehand. Mm. I felt uncomfortable during that chunk of the second half. In fact, I'd go as, as far as to say there was a part of that game I really didn't enjoy watching. And it was probably because of the fact that the Warriors came back and were threatening and I didn't it was one of those games it was one of those games where I thought uh, I was frustrated that we didn't ice those two try scoring opportunities mm-hmm. because I think had we iced those the Warriors don't get that little bit of a sniff that they did didn't don't get that sort of momentum and maybe I was frustrated by by that during that period but um, look I'm I'm just especially glad that uh, Jake was able to have the debut that he had, that we came away from the game with the two points and uh, that we can go into next week's game against Manly with continued momentum rather than a bit of a hiccup. And it's interesting. We have this discussion where we have legitimate gripes about the team because they didn't go on and and put a, a pretty solid top eight contender to the sword. It's Parramatta's fifth straight game of scoring 30 points or more. They are 5-0 and in that same period. It makes you wonder where the ceiling for this team is because they're just scratching their potential at this point in time. They're playing good football to very good football at times, but also the bar can slide a little bit at times in games too. So how good can the Eels be, 60s? Well, I think by virtue of the fact that there are hiccups in games, that it shows that there is the potential for... Uh, even better performances as you come into the back end of the season. You don't want to be playing your grand final type form this early in the season. You want to have that scope for improvement. And I think it's fair to say that the Eels are showing through their form scope for improvement, the potential to be perhaps much more ruthless than they are. I think there's areas to improve in defence and I think there's areas that we can improve with taking our opportunities. I think we've seen that in the last couple of weeks where there's tries that could have been scored that weren't scored. Like we've said before as well, it's interesting that we've had the progress of this team where in the past we'd be grateful for a win. We, uh, a win would not uh, too 16, long ago. A 16 point yeah, win over a top eight, cont- a top eight contender or eighth place team coming to the round, you'd rarely complain about. And here we are, like I said, picking it apart and saying, well, you know, they, they left a lot of meat on this bone. Well, that's right. I mean, we, as I said, not too, not too many years ago, we'd go to games, we wouldn't be expecting a win. We'd be surprised if a win happened. Now we're at the point where we are, as you say, we're picking it apart if the win isn't as good as we've expected that it would be. So it's an interesting development of the team. It's an interesting development of our psyche as supporters where there isn't complete satisfaction even after a win, which was going to add, which is going to add nicely to the points differential. Uh, A couple of returning players this week in Nathan Brown and Wonga Blake. Uh, Brownie was his usual self, just tearing in all game, running as hard in the 78th minute as he did in the second. Uh, what do we make of those two, mate? Because Wonga had a couple of good carries and, and whatnot, but 
not a huge amount of involvement. A lot of the ball end up going to Ryan Madison down that edge. Uh, how do you rate him coming back after that long, long layoff from a calf strain or calf tear, rubber? I think it's a case of having to develop combinations again. And I, I did say earlier in the week that when you had two people, two players introduced on the same side to a team that had struck up a, a, a good run of form as, uh, as they had done with Dylan Brown and Maradi Nukore on that side of the field, you, you were Can always going to have the chance of having um, things not quite gelling. And it's fair to say that there were moments where it just didn't quite gel and there were missed tackles on that side of the field. And I think I think it's just a matter of getting having that opportunity to spend time together again. So and if if by chance it falls apart defensively over that side of the field, we know there's an option with Murata. If BA wants to call it, if if it's not working with Wanga, we know we've got an option. And I, I think that a lot of fans will be pushing for that aggressively given the struggles of the the combination struggles of Blake Ferguson and Wanga Blake in, in recent times if that pers- or if that continues throughout. But it is nice to know we have that safety net as much as Brad would like to have Murata back into the middle rotation or being able to be used as a versatile weapon off the bench on edge or middle. Uh, knowing that Murata can just slot in at centre and be a, a seamless uh, you know, replacement is a very powerful card to have once he's back from suspension. Yeah, and again, I would suggest that the defensive presence of Dylan Brown was probably missed. Yeah, and we we are the obviously we, we spoke of role. sorry, I was going to say we spoke of Jake's prowess defensively as a young half, and he certainly did. I like, held his own in the NRL in his debut, but Dylan does. The, the difference between Jake and Dylan is the difference that the of the game's best defensive half by some considerable margin and a good young defensive half. And that is yeah, still a massive golf to have to cover, even though Jake did his job very well. Yeah, and again, we stress, that's not a knock on Jake no. in, <laughs> in this sort of commentary whatsoever. It's just saying that in, in this particular game, you had the best arguably the best defensive half in the competition being uh, replaced in this game, or not being uh, missing from this game, at a time where you also had the reintroduction of uh, a centre and and that combination, that centre-wing combination that had a lot of problems last year. So it's, as I said, it was a double change over that side of the field. It and there was evidence today that it was just a bit rusty, into or, or the it wasn't quite there. It was it was you, you might use the word clunky, but I don't know if you can use the word clunky in defence. It just it it just wasn't humming as you'd like it to be in terms of a uh, defensive combination. That's fair, and and like we said, the the jury's out for about three weeks or two more games now. And should uh, that combination struggle in that period, and it's going to get a good test next week up against Tom Tabrovic leading the Manly Seagulls at, at Parramatta's uh, Fortress Bank West. Uh, but yeah, should should they end up failing to gel, Brad can always default back to putting Murata at right centre. Uh, what else caught your eye in this one, mate? Because 
I feel like there's not too much more to digest. It was a a strange game in that regard because there wasn't that much to talk about. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it it was it was one of those games where really that twenty four point jump start that the Eels ended up getting in the first twenty minutes should have and ended up being a bridge too far for the Warriors. So Correct. the Eels very much won that in that in that first 20 minutes. Uh, the Warriors gave us a little bit of unease, uh, uh, moments where they threatened that they could peg those points back. But when all is said and done, if you have a 24-point lead and you get a run, and you get run down, something's going wrong. We didn't get run down. We were able to ice the game with a couple of more second half scores. So things move along. As you say, it's it's one of those games where probably the main talking point to come from it is again the debut of Jake Arthur and the uh, the solid debut that it was. Yeah, and as much as we do pick apart Parramatta's game because we want them to be close to peak performance as possible without peaking too early. You've got to manage that little conundrum right there as a coach. Um, it is worth mentioning that there are other teams, other top flight teams that are also notching ugly wins. You know, look at the ladder leading Penrith Panthers. They were nearly knocked over by the Brisbane Broncos a couple of weeks ago, 20 to 12, right here at this venue, Suncorp Stadium. So it's a matter of, you know, marshalling the team uh, at the right rate to, you know, keep them humming and ticking over heading into this orange origin period, sorry and looking to obviously hit fifth or sixth gear in the run to the finals. And they're still taking care of business, and it's a line I continue to use because that's what Parramatta are doing. They're, they're playing within themselves at times. They're not always going on and being ruthless. Even though they have had big wins like against Canberra and against Brisbane, uh, they're, they're clearly not at peak performance. They're clearly not you know at top gear, and that's fine. As long as they continue to, to take care of games the way they are, they can play within themselves. That's not an issue. Yeah, yeah, and... I think that's what most people should be acknowledging about the Eels is that, as you said, taking care of business, they're marching on, they're accruing uh, premiership points, they remain second on the competition table at a time where you've got other teams that are not just struggling to find form, they're, they're struggling to, I suppose, cement a place where they can challenge to be a top eight team. In fact, there's probably some teams that are quite lucky that there are so many teams that are struggling to get their act together that... Well, think, put it this down. way. Things are so bad at the bottom end of the ladder that the media are having a, a good run of getting out the old relegation idea out and, and giving it some air. So that that's how things are down there. The Eels well, are doing it's very it's well. Hard to, <laughs> Forty, it's hard to believe that you've got teams that are... are have a negative win ratio in the eight that, that are that are in the eight. Mm. That's I, I know it's early days, but I don't know whether this is going to change terribly much. I think you're going to see those six to uh, maybe twelfth place teams being very very close to each other throughout the season. Now the NRL might rub its hands with glee because that means that there's a lot of teams that remain in, cont- in contention. For a long period of time, but as far as I'm concerned, it's it's probably a sign of the uh, the fact that there's so many teams that have got issues in terms of their form. Yeah, 
it's a a very bizarre season. Uh, we we speak about the haves and have nots, and a lot of it comes down to just being run competently as a club. And thankfully, the Parramatta Eels learned their lessons going back uh, during those dark periods from sort of twenty ten to twenty thirteen, with then paying the price in twenty sixteen. And it's it's amazing because you look at what Parramatta's done, and and very little of it is oh my god they're geniuses. You know, how did they do it? It's, you know, making astute signings, you know, prioritizing the correct retentions and putting the time and effort into the junior pathways in order to reap the rewards down the road. So well done to everyone involved at the club and, you know, putting making yourselves competitive with the likes of the Melbourne Storm and the Sydney Roosters for a number of years now is uh, no mean feat. And especially in a time in the NRL where there's so many other teams that are just struggling to uh, scratch together anything that resembles a competitive roster. Yeah, and uh, we look. We saw the depth of the team yesterday, when or depth of the squad yesterday, when we witnessed the the uh, New South Wales Cup team clock up another win, and uh, as we said, a, a relatively young team, a, a relatively new combination that's there within that grade, and uh, they they continue to march along as well. And when you're able to call on. Uh, an 18-year-old replacement in Jake Arthur into the team in first grade. It augurs well for uh, the uh, the future uh, for any other players that might uh, might need replacing for a short period of time due to whether it be injury or suspension. Touch wood that we don't have to deal with it. But it's it, as I said, it still augurs well that there are players able to be called on from a, a second uh, from the uh, reserve grade team who. Uh, enjoying their own success at the moment. Well said, mate. And is there anything you want to uh, say before we put the wrap up on this one? Uh, go, you mighty eels. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much it. As uh, as we mentioned coming into the start of this podcast, the uh, 34 to, it is 34, yeah, 34 to 18 point win over the New Zealand Warriors lifts the eels back into second place. Technically, they're provisionally in equal first place pending uh, the result of the Penrith game, but that would require a loss and a significant loss in order for the Eels to leapfrog the uh, Panthers on for and against. But uh, keeping that buffer between them and the rest of the top four is really nice. So well done to everyone. Obviously, purging those uh, memories of the uh, 2019 Magic Round 2 where the Storm uh, ran the cleanest for us to the tune of 64-10. to 10. So continuing that theme, we always banging on about themes here on the tip sheet, but uh, the Eels breaking hoodoos, getting a, a solid win over the Warriors, getting uh, their first ever Magic, Magic Round win, and doing everything they need to do heading towards that origin period. Uh, nine wins and one loss from 10 starts is incredible. Uh, it's t- statistically, sorry, as I trip over my STs, statistically the best attacking performance uh, or start to a season for the Eels over the first 10 rounds in the origin era. And I dare say it actually is the best ever because the Eels weren't too flash before the origin era, uh, barring some some period in the 70s, right, 60s? Oh, some period in the... Uh, uh, well, uh, yes, you're right, because um, uh, you're talking about what is it? 1980 was yeah, the start of exactly. the uh, origin period. Correct. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, a little bit of a, a, a bright spot in the mid 70s, but I, I can't recall that there would have been this sort of point scoring uh, dominance that we're seeing at the moment. Yeah. So, enjoy it for what it is, people. It is a golden era for the blue and gold. Things can only get better as we head into this further into this season. Uh, the team is going to come together and, and push on to new heights. And it's been very enjoyable. As much as we gripe about, you know, nitpicks and they should have won by 50, damn it. 
Uh, this is a very, very fun time to be a Pamela Eels fan. And uh, as always, thanks for stopping by. We'll catch you guys in the preview edition of the podcast, which also featured the review stuff from the lower grades, uh, Jersey Flag, New South Wales Cup. And uh, Eels also notching representative wins this week in the city teams across the 16s and 18s. So well done to all involved there. But yeah, see you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>